on, on friendships and friendology. And, and really, today we have a special surprise in a few moments that I want to give you. And you're like, well, what is that? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm baiting you for that, you know, that, that this morning. So, you know, uh, you're wondering what that is. Well, you're, you're going to find out soon. But uh, I'm excited about this because this is a, a subject that's close to my heart as the pastor of this church. Because we're talking about this in the context of, 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 of spiritual friendships, of, of this iron sharpens iron type idea. And, and it's important. It's, it's valuable. Friendships are huge. Uh, back in 2001, a movie came out uh, that you might have seen, or maybe not, called Castaway. And I can't believe that 2001 is when that happens. It doesn't seem that long ago, but, you know, I've become my parents. And so they say, well, isn't that long ago, right? Mom used to say that when I was a kid. Well, now I feel that too. And so, you know, I, I know that. But, but anyway, it's, it's, it was a good movie. I watched it in the theater. And if you saw that, this the premise, of course, was Tom Hanks was a character who was marooned on a, on a tropical island. If you ever thought that'd be fun or would be an enjoyable experience, watch the movie. Okay, you won't think that way anymore because it is pretty stressful. But he is marooned on this island, and, and what happens is the movie kind of goes or starts out, it doesn't start out the island, it starts out at his house in suburban Memphis, Tennessee. And he hands his keys to his wife, and he says, I'll be right back, as he, the car picks up to take him off to uh, the plane. And of course, we know that if we watch it, we know it's not going to happen. Uh, but they, they focus in on this one thing on the keychain, which I think is really interesting. They focus in on a Swiss Army knife. And I remember like wanting to shout, say, don't do it. You know, like, no, you're going to need that. But he has no idea he's, he's going to need that. So he gets on the plane. It crashes, of course, the whole thing. And he finds himself on this island. And because it was a FedEx plane, uh, there's all these packages that are washing onto the shoreline. And as you've seen it again, you would know that. And he says, well, you know, it's FedEx stuff. There's something valuable in there. So he starts pulling things out. And he pulls out a pair of ice skates. Because who, would, who wouldn't need ice skates? Right, on, on a morning, on an on a, on a, on a island in, this, in the, tr- the tropical, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Pulls out ice skates. He pulls out, uh, he pulls out uh, um, um, some videotapes. Now, for those of you who were born after 2001, uh, that's from a VCR. And you're like, yes, we used to actually watch movies with tapes. And so oh, that's crazy, whatever. So there's no VCR on the island, no, no power. That won't help him out. And then he pulls out a ball. It's a, a, a volleyball. And he looks at all this stuff, and he says, what am I do with all these things? And as the movie goes, we, we find that all these things become very helpful. And, and he uses all this as tools. And, but, he, but the ball becomes especially important to him. You've seen the movie, you know that he takes this ball, and he paints a face on it, and he calls it Wilson. Now, at first, and you have a picture here of Wilson. At first, it's just a way to pass the time. It's just a you know, thing to do. But as time goes on, Wilson becomes more than just a, a passing thing. Wilson becomes his friend. And, and if you see, again, see the movie, you know that he talks to Wilson. You know, I, I remember going into the movie thinking, how am I going to watch a movie about a guy who never says a word? But he talks the whole time, and he talks to this, to Wilson. And, and at one point, uh, he, he, he finds himself, he finds himself uh, um, winding it off the island, so he takes the ball with him, and he he shipwrecks, and he gets so frustrated that he takes the ball and throws it into the water. And as he watches the ball begin to kind of descend over into the water, which, by the way, Tom Hanks can throw a ball. I mean, he's, he's a long ways. Then he throws this ball, drops in the water, and he suddenly realizes that was a terrible idea. 
And so he gets over and he risks life and limb. He really does. To get over to this volleyball to save this volleyball. And he gets to the volleyball, he scoops it up out of the water after he's risked his life, and he hugs the ball, and he begins to cry, and he begins to say, oh, Wilson, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I will never do that again. And of course, at this point, you realize he's been on the island way too long. Uh, He's talking to volleyballs, but, but you also realize how important relationships are. They are critical. And again, this is an area and a situation where I think a lot of us, if we have any context or contact within church, we think, well, of course it's important. Sure, you know, whatever. But, but godly, purposeful friendships are not optional. They're not just a nice kind of benefit we have as believers. This is what God has called us to. This is, this is so big a part of the church. It's, it's, it's crazy. Jesus said this, of course, in John 13, 35. He says, by this. Everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's what we're talking about this, this series. And we're talking about this not as being a, a program of the church or whatever. This is, we're talking about this as being who we are as believers, the culture, who we are as a church. And so we've been kind of talking about why and, and, and how. Oh, but, but now this week we're going to kind of really move into how. How do we walk in iron sharpens iron friendships? And I'm going to go really fast today because I want to do something really fun this morning. So I'm going to kind of walk through these. I kind of alluded to these last week, but I want to kind of deep dive deeper into these because you can sharpen iron wrong, right? You can, you can rub your, 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 your stone against a, a blade and you can actually do damage to the blade. And some of you have felt that way. You have felt in church that you have been rubbed wrong. Right? Or you have been not made sharp, you've been made dull. And so this is important for us to look at what the Word says and how to actually have iron sharpens iron friendships. The first one we do is we sharpen with grace-filled speech. Listen to what Ephesians 4.29 says. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That, that's a great passage, but listen to what Colossians 4, 6 says. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. For centuries, of course, we know salt's been used as a preservative and as a way to season. You know, I mean, who could eat food without salt? Uh, you know, I love, I love beef jerky. That's salt, pretty much, and beef. And so these are important things. And see what this passage here says, is it says, shouldn't how we speak to one another be similar? Shouldn't our speech be seasoning others? Shouldn't it be preserving others? That's what this word here says. And of course, negative words, they come easily, right, in our culture. It just happens. I mean, if you're a boss, you probably have had people who are your, uh, your, your people who report to you have talked bad about you, right? Mine better not, but everyone else's probably does. But, you know, you might have had that at some point in your life. Or you might have had, you might be someone who talks about your boss bad. I mean, it's part of life. You know, the church is to be different. God's called us to walk differently. And, and so that's the first one. Number two, we sharpen with godly wisdom. Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. This verse kind of go hand in hand with the previous one, but if we all take responsibility for growing in knowledge and growing in wisdom, 
as a belief, as, as a church, uh, there's a, a, pr- a process of, 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 of when, when we, we, we kind of rise and the tide is rising. And when the tide of our church rises of wisdom, knowledge, and, and understanding, the whole, the whole ship kind of rises with that, right? And that's what God's called us to, is to embrace this, but use it with each other. To help each other to walk through things. We sharpen with godly wisdom. We, we sharpen with faithfulness. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. This one goes without saying, of course. We, we know this. You've got to be faithful. I mean, of course we do. But, but so often with this spot, we say, well, no one else is this in my life. So where is this person for me? My question I want to turn back to you is say, well, have you been that in somebody else? Have you walked faithfully with someone else? You see, God's called us to plant seeds of these things in others. Would it be easy? No. Is it going to come quickly? No. Are you going to plant a seed and then see it happen in a minute? No. But that's the purpose, that's the point of, of, of planting these seeds of iron sharpens iron friendships. God's called us to, to walk like this. We, we sharpen with, with faithfulness. Next, we sharpen with selfless love. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment, this is Jesus talking, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. How did he love? He loved by laying down his life. So he says, so you also, in the same way, are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I saw this in, in, in happening in my, my, pre, my, my, my youth ministry. We had a young lady. Actually, we had a, late, a woman who, uh, she had a bunch of foster children. She brought tons and such. And she brought some, this one young lady who uh, came to our youth ministry, just just jumped in and got involved, and she was a wonderful part of our youth ministry. And she was older, and so she was about to time out of the system. And she was going to lose her family, lose everything. She was about almost 18. And so this family in our church, this family who had several young people, they were, they were youth leaders, they, they saw this, and they adopted her into their home. They took in this 18-year-old young lady, and they gave her her name. She actually, they actually literally adopted her. As an 18-year-old, they gave her her name, uh, or their name, uh, they paid for her college. Uh, they made her part of their family, I and mean, she is there. She is in the family. She is, she is every bit a part of that family as any of their other kids are. See, that's the church being the church. God's called us to love with selfless love. The, 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 the next one this morning, we sharpen with humility and or gentleness covered in patience. You're like, what does that mean this morning? This passage here in Ephesians that I want to read today, uh, verse 2, verse 4, 2, says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I I love that verse. The context of that verse is fantastic. It's Ephesians 4. I challenge you to read it sometime. It's so good. Uh, We're also going to walk through Ephesians this summer. So, man, there's some good stuff coming up. But this context here is one of the most beautiful portions of scripture. Ephesians 4 is awesome. And this scripture here gives us just some clear directives on how it's going to be if we're going to be around other people. It gives us the full the full gamut because at sometimes you will be humbled because you're wrong, right? It's hard to admit that we're wrong. I mean, as, as a type A uh, firstborn guy like that, like me, it's hard to admit when I'm wrong, okay? It just is. And, and so sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right and others wrong you and you need to deal with people 
to be in gentleness. And you cover the entire thing with patience. You see, this passage here gives us the whole gamut. This happened to me this week. I, I, I had this week, I, I made a mistake. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing big or whatever. I just made a mistake. I was supposed to call someone and I didn't. And it didn't, it, it, it cost them when I didn't do this. And so I had other things going on. It's just, I just missed it. And so I had to call and I had to humble myself. And I had to ask this person's forgiveness. And uh, it, was, it was hard. I was, was nervous. I didn't want to do it. It meant that I had to uh, humble myself. But how this brother uh, approached me and reacted to me was awesome. He said, Steve, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. It's no big deal. And he just kind of continued to, to pour that out. I mean, I'll tell you what, in this week, which has been hard, I'll be honest with you, I needed someone to treat me like that. That ministered to me so greatly. If he would have done what I deserved and said, ah, you're right, you, you cost me, it would have it it hurt. See, his reaction in grace and his reaction in, in love to me, his reaction when he did this with patience and he bared with me was awesome. And, and so this is how we sharpen iron. But this morning, I, I wanted, rather than just talk about this, I wanted to have someone come up today and share about this, that has done this in my life. So Ron, come on if you would. I want to introduce you today to, to, to Ron. This is Ron Roosh. And uh, Ron Roosh is, uh, is a good friend of mine. We go way back. And, and you, if you were here last you know, I talked about a, a, a guy that I had a, a friendship with, uh, a discipleship friendship uh, that goes back a long time. Well, here he is. <laughs> and so we, we brought him here today. And, and uh, Ron's got a great story. And, and Ron will tell you that I have blessed him, and that may be true to a certain extent, but man, Ron has blessed me far more than I have blessed him. Uh, Ron has, has been iron sharpens iron in my life so much, and, and this is a guy who, as a truck driver, was able to, has discipled and has ministered to so many people across, there are, there are a lot of pastors and a lot of leaders across our nation in our movement that have a relationship with this man because he discipled them. And, and there's, there's, there's a lot of those. And, and he has left a very large legacy. And, and he continues to do this. And so he's now on staff at Emmanuel Christian Center in Minneapolis as the men's discipleship director. And uh, that, he doesn't need a title, though, because this guy does this. And that's why I want him to come share today and talk to you a little bit about uh, what this means to be this kind of a person. So, Ron, just go, ahead, you know, just go ahead and introduce yourselves, and we don't really have a script for this. <laughs> We're just going to talk, but go ahead and introduce yourselves, Ron. Just you know, share a little bit about what you want to do in that uh, Don't you love your pastor? Huh? I yes. didn't tell him to say that, by the way. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, yeah. I won't tell you how much he paid me, but okay. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, man, so much flooding through my mind, so where I find those thoughts to land, mm -hmm. you'll probably have to help me. <laughs> but I want to start this way. The Bible says that we should give honor to whom honor is due. And I forgot to do this in the first service, but Lisa, would you come up here by your husband? Yes. I want you to know that you have one of the best pastors in the state of Minnesota. And I want you to stand, if you would, please. 
and I want you to give them the most awesome, awesome applause, whistles, yeah, you're, I love you, Pastor, at one, two, three, go. Are you done? <laughs> please, please, please. No. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you. Don't go, Lisa. This couple, Frida and I have known for a while. If I tell you how long, you'd think he's an old man. But <laughs> I'm not, though. We watched, we watched this couple back in Kalamazoo, Michigan, minister unselfishly and give of themselves to the people there at Kalamazoo First Assembly. That's where we met. And I saw their heart and their giving unselfishly to, to the church there and the people. And I want you to know you have the best pastor and wife that you could ever have in the state of Minnesota. You better keep them. <laughs> you better keep them. Okay. And, and, and Lisa... Stand, stand here. So they're the they're it's it's their fault. She, she, she only had to sit. So she yeah. only had, she only had to sit. So. <laughs> she said, "You know, you sit." Like, <laughs> they're they're the it's their fault that Frida and I are in Minnesota. And I want to tell you just a quick story about that. It's their fault that we're here. So we were in Kalamazoo at First Assembly there, and that's how we met. And. Um, about in 2013, or yeah, 13 or 14, I forget, years, when you get older, you forget about the years, you know. Um, but they uh, were coming here, I understand, to try out and be a part of the church. And um, so I knew Steve, and at the time we were having a family reunion. My wife was having a family reunion at our house, and we borrowed a trailer from you, a wreck trailer. And so I came over on Saturday after driving truck, and I came over to pick up the trailer, and we were in the backyard there, hooked it up. We were jaw jacking. That's men's term for talking. <laughs> and uh, we were standing there, and um, what happened was I related to Steve. On the ride over from Battle Creek, Michigan to Kalamazoo is about an 18-minute drive, and it was a beautiful Saturday, sun shining, and I'm driving on I-94 over, and all of a sudden, halfway there, I think it was by Yellsburg too, I see this huge sign of the Midwest from Michigan down through Indiana, Chicago, up through Wisconsin, and all the way up in Minnesota, and there was this red line, just solid red line, all the way up, and it went past Minneapolis and stopped. And that's what I saw when I was driving. And I said, whoa. And on top of that, your pastor was standing there smiling, just looking at this map. And so it went away, 
And by the way, I was driving, and I could see. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, hallucinating. And uh, so I got there, and I'm, I'm relating this story to Steve, and we're standing by the pickup, jawjacking, and I tell him that, and he begins to cry. And he begins to lips quiver, and he shared with me how you that morning, or that, that couple days, had talked to the pastor, Pastor Dave Berenger, and said, I'm, we're going to Minnesota. And I didn't know that. And then he says, and he drops the bomb on me. <laughs> and he says, we'd like for you and Frida to pray about coming and joining us. Mm -hmm. And you remember that, Lisa? Yeah. And uh, so what happened was is that we prayed about it, and we felt 95% sure. So <laughs> what are you it's laughing that, about? That 5%. Man. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks about, you know, okay, Glasses half full, half empty. <laughs> so anyway, we we made plans to come, and we made plans to come Memorial Day weekend, and we were coming to celebrate our grandson's uh, graduation, our oldest one, in uh, Blaine, Minnesota. And so we were going to help with the celebration. And so we pulled in at, uh, I think, 1.30 in the afternoon. My wife hates it when I give details like that, but I remember it was 1.30 in the afternoon. We pulled in. And my son, Nate, yes. my son, Nate, says, Dad, we're going to go shopping. So I said, okay. So the grandsons wanted to go, but he, he wouldn't let them go. He said, no, this is Dad's son time. So we got in the car, barely got down the street. And Nate goes, bam. I mean, he gave me an elbow. If you know my son, he's 6'3 and a big guy. I said, whoa. He says, Dad, you're not going with Steve and Lisa. You're coming with me at Emmanuel. Yeah. And that, I kid you not, that's the story. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it just blindsided us. And then we prayed about it. My wife and I prayed about it that day, and we felt at peace. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. There was a part in that story where God had already been speaking to you guys mm -hmm. about that, that you knew, yeah. and, but they didn't tell us, you know. <laughs> But that happened that same weekend. Mm -hmm. So to show you how God just moved yeah. and, and put the places, that's discipleship, mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, so, Lisa, thank you. We love you. Thank you for being a strength to your husband mm -hmm. and a strength to this church. Amen. We know who turns the head, the neck. <laughs> that's right. You better believe it. It's this one right here. Okay, Oops. thank you, Lisa. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that talented, great, believe me. <laughs> I, really not. All right. Thank you. So, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I, I guess I should have expected it. I should have said, don't say that. No, no, I'm kidding. I know you would, I know you would have anyway. But, um, Ron, I just wanted, to, if you would, just share a little bit about, because, you know, really the heart of, of what we're talking about through this whole process of iron sharpens iron is, it comes down to discipleship, right? And that's, that's kind of the heart behind this. And, and, Ron and I had, have a great relationship, and, and over the course of a couple of years there, um, God used both of us in each other's lives to sharpen mm -hmm. each other. And, and I would say that Ron was a bigger blessing to me than I was to him, but he says the same thing about me, so I got to, whatever, so I, I, don't, I, I disagree. But no, no he, he was such a blessing to me, but what's, what's interesting about that is that Ron's been doing this forever. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. So Ron, if you could just share a little bit about some of your wisdom and your, your knowledge, your time about about what it means to 
be a disciple maker. And again, he, he's done this in the context, not as in ministry, but he's done this in the context of just working and, you know, and such. And so would you share a little bit about, you know, your, some of your insight in that oh, regards? You got a couple hours. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I'm humbled, really, to, to share this because really I, I'm, I think back over my life and really I had to first become a disciple before mm-hmm. I became a disciple maker. Right. And so in my history, I didn't understand what a disciple is and what discipleship is all about. And so I grew up in a home where my dad was a pastor. I didn't really hear it, but it was there. Yeah. But it was never talked about or, or really defined. And so uh, I went to Bible college and four years, and that's where I met um, the most beautiful ro- woman in this room, my wife, Frida. And uh, we hooked up there and uh, went in the ministry. I didn't hear about discipleship. I heard the words, but I never heard it explained, you know. And so my life is about a journey of first becoming a disciple where God put many men into my life that spent time with me and um, poured into me. And because of that, I was, I was catching that. Well, these men explained to me what a disciple is from God's Word and brought the Gospels really to life to where I began to see what Jesus did and, and what he said. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he says, I only, I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see him doing. Right. So in the context of that, I found that uh, I, was, I was growing into being a disciple-maker not knowing that's what was happening. Yeah. And men started talking to me about discipleship being in the context of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's where it starts. Yeah. Starts with a relationship, and there has to be that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard it many times. I don't know if you said it, Steve, here, but you don't really get to know somebody by looking at the back of somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Yeah. And so there needs to be that relationship building where you actually turn your face towards somebody, and outside of the context of this room, you meet for coffee, and that's what men did, is it, they invested in me. And, um, and then there was that commitment uh, on both parts. They said, uh, you know, I'm going to spend this time with you, now you're going to make a commitment to me. And I actually had one pastor, Wayne Benson, actually asked me to sign a covenant. Did you ever have that done? Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. ask you, it's, it's like, wow, I never had that happen in my life. And so uh, he said, I'm going to spend this time with you. Are you going to commit to me? And so there was that relationship and that commitment there. And then these men in my life taught me about the character of Jesus, yeah. who Jesus is and right. what he did on the face of this earth. He just didn't go around healing people. He took 12 men and invested three years into their lives. And he, they started pulling Scripture out. And I said, wow, this is in the Bible, you know? And I said, this works. And then I began to apply it, and it works. It just works. And so um, there's three levels of disciples I've found in the body of Christ. There's new disciples, growing disciples, and influential disciples and so, new disciples, you may be sitting here today, and you just started following Jesus, and you're saying, what's this all about anyway? Well, welcome. 
<laughs> because Steve was there once, I was there once, Lisa was there, my wife. You know, you you got to start somewhere. So you begin as a new disciple, but then you begin to grow in Jesus, and you become a growing disciple. You start to look like Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's like my grandkids say, Grandpa, you look like a grandpa, you smell like a grandpa, and you walk like a grandpa. (laughs) But when you think of it, do people say, you look like a follower of Jesus? Well, I don't know if you smell like one. And you walk like one. Mm -hmm. So, Growing disciples, there's where God then begins to pull, and this is what happened in my life. I became an influential disciple, not really wanting to be one, because I said, who am I? And But there are many people that need to be discipled. And so I said, Lord, I'm the one, like Isaiah, Lord, send me, I'll do it. And so that's what I've been doing all my life. I don't need a title. I don't need that to do what Jesus, you can be a truck driver, you can be a factory worker, you can be a waitress, and still be a disciple of Jesus Christ and make disciples. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good, man, that's, that's good stuff. And you mentioned in there, uh, talk about relationship, that was such a cool thing. Because I think sometimes we look at this word disciple in the fact of like, or in the context, if you, you know, if you're not a, if you're not been around church, so you're like, what, in the, what is that? Or if you are around church long, you might look at this as being like a, a class you take, or you got to have all these like stuff that you got to do. And, and so often, what would happen in our relationship um, was we just sat down for coffee, we prayed together, uh, oh, we boy. opened the Word together, and uh, we expected that God was going to uh, speak through both of us in that context. And there was so often that because we were friends, we built this friendship and this commitment to each other. Uh, God used both of us, and, and again, I would say he was you more in my life than whatever, but <laughs> he used you so much in my life. There were so many things at that, that time in my life that I needed, I needed Ron Roosh in my life to walk me through some things, and I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for your commitment uh, sitting at the Galesburg, Michigan subway um, every week or, or wherever we were, which was oftentimes there. Penn Station. Uh, or Penn Station, yep, yep. With those times, we just sat there and and you poured into me, and we just, we just spent time in the Word together. And, and it was, but again, it was in the context of this friendship and this relationship and this importance. And Ron, why, why do you, you know, you, you know, all these years you've done this, most of them you've not been in, in ministry, so to speak. You've been, you know, a truck driver or whatever else. Why have you, you're busy, you have kids, you have grandkids, such, why, do, why do you do this? I would say a lot of a lot of answers I could give you, but I was thinking since this, the first service, the Bible says it's because of the love of Christ constrains me, mm. compels me mm. to do it. Mm. Um, I, I feel uh, compelled, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a good, and it's the love of Jesus, and the, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit spreads that around in the body of Christ. So I, I, I want to connect with those that um, I often say um, I work with the sent ones because not everyone, uh, unfortunately, in the body of Christ wants to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I pray Matthew 9.38, and I say, the Lord of the harvest, would you send mm-hmm. people to Come me on. and send me to people? That's good. And 
I can tell you, there's a young man sitting on the front row here, David Hefner, and his wife, Angie. When I first came to Minnesota, he was the first one I discipled at Emmanuel Christian Center. And now he's leading over 30 groups of men that are meeting weekly to grow and be disciple makers. Mm -hmm. When I first met David Hefner, he was very unconfident, mm -hmm. uh, raw as could be, just coming off of <laughs> being a new disciple. Um, he would sit in a rocking chair and rock real fast, you know. That, that's, that was the way, that was the tip that we knew he wanted to say something. He'd get going, <laughs> get going. And then he would, oh, and just, and we'd say, what did you say? Now, through the compelling love of Christ, he is now leading, what would you say, 100, 120 men that are faithfully meeting every week, wanting to grow in Christ. That's what I live for. That's what I live for. And, yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, I keep going. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, I know one thing happened, you know, and sometimes this can be a difficult thing for people because we're like, well, I, you know, what do I do with this? How, you know, and so I remember a story. We mentioned this earlier, so I'm going to mention it again. Um, there's a young man in our church in Kalamazoo who, uh, and it's, it's a long story with him, and it's continued to go, but, you know, this opened up where God had brought him into the church. He'd been, he'd been on, he had some pretty significant problems, and um, he was in church on a, on, for about three or four weeks for a, a season, and you didn't know him, and, and really not a lot of us oh. knew him, to be honest with you. He's pretty new. And, uh, and well, one morning, um, you began a relationship with him because God spoke to you mm -hmm. and did what you just talked about. God yep. spoke to you, and Absolutely. God said to do, go up and talk to this guy, mm -hmm. which is pretty scary, but, you know, and, 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 and I know, now Ron's not like a, you know, like, he's not me, okay? I'm like, I'll talk to anybody, you know? I mean, he's become that way, but he's not quite, he wasn't quite always that way. God's, God's worked on that in your life, but what, what happened when you went up to that guy and... So Brian is his name. Yep. So it's during a meet and greet time, you know, you have those here, yep. right, where you shake hands and say high five to your neighbor. So I went over to uh, Brian and, hi, Brian, my name's Ron. Have you ever been discipled? <laughs> and his wife was standing next to him, and they both started crying. Mm -hmm. I said, did I say something wrong? <laughs> you know? And um, that started a relationship because what had happened is the night before, they both were praying, mm -hmm. both of them together. She prayed that God would send a man into her life that would ask him to grow. Yep. And I, I tell you, they just touched my heart. And we, we were together for a good two and a half, three years before they moved, but God was working in him deep. So, yeah. And I, I'll tell you about another uh, young man um, um, by the name of Mike Brower. At the time, Mike Brower was not my son-in-law. So in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I was walking across the front of the church and just minding my own business. Actually, I was looking for somebody to talk to, and uh, I saw Mike, and he was sitting in the pew. Remember when he had pews? And enjoying he, by himself and looking, and I walked up to him, and I said, Hi, my name's Ron. And I asked him. You ever been discipled? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm going to Southeastern 
Bible college or university. And um, I said, would you like to have coffee? Yeah, okay. That started a beautiful relationship. And I discipled him for a good three, three years, four years. And eventually he graduated. And um, we noticed that when he would come over for uh, discipleship, um, my daughter started to, you know, dress up kind of <laughs> nice and uh, started to help mom cook. And she yeah. was not necessarily a cook. Uh-huh. And she I was setting it. the table just nice, you know. And I also remember the night, though, that Mike Brower called me from Southeastern. And he said, I'd like to uh, date your wife, your uh, daughter. <laughs> yeah, your wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Date your daughter for the purpose of marrying her. It was just a joyful, joyful conversation. But that happened out of the context of relationships. So, and, and you, you can, too, tell uh, stories of people you've met. And um, I like to say, too, about your pastor, um, our relationship was one that, I, at the time, I was, um, let's see, with five years ago, 66, 66 years old, and um, maybe even before that, I forget, but I was wanting to learn and be a disciple at the age uh, that I was, and um, I'm older now, but I, I wanted to just grow, and so I read some books on reverse mentoring. Um, there's a lot of sharp young pastors coming up that they're really doing it, and I just wanted to learn, and so um, Steve Royalty and um, Dave Berenger are one of those men that in my life that began to talk to me about, you know, if you do church the same way you've done it over and over again, you're going to get the same results. The Word of God's never going to change, but the way we do church will change. I mean, look at it. We're all sitting here. Um, we're not in three-piece suits. Huh? Remember the day? Um, you can bring coffee into the sanctuary, uh-huh. or at least here you can. Yeah, well, huh? yeah, you know, happens. It it happens. <laughs> I mean, so things change, but the, this is not going to change. Right. God's word is not going to change. So I wanted to grow and be, and so I call it reverse mentoring. Mm-hmm. And pa- uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Dave really poured into me and demonstrated and gave me examples, even language and how to how to speak into into a body i was learning and i'm still learning and so that's why i still like to hang out with you yeah. we and I, I appreciate that too and you know, like i said it's, so you you poured more into me than i have you i appreciate that i'm still i'm i'm gonna i'm going to agree to disagree but no, i'm uh, just kidding <laughs> we'll see from the from the from the neck down yeah i'm i'm 71 uh-huh. from the neck up yeah i'm 20 right so that's why i need you <laughs> Yeah, but you know, that that heart that you have, Ron, is is what one of the things that I thought was so is so amazing about you being um, being an older gentleman than I am. You know, I'm now middle aged, not young anymore, um, but I'm, I'm now middle aged. But but watching how you how you were hungry to grow and hungry to learn, even though you had mastered so many things in life and you had you've done you know a lot of wonderful things, um, your heart to learn and your heart to continue to 
to ask questions and grow is one of the things that really I wanted, I wanted that in my life too. And that's what's so interesting. I, we were talk, you were talking before, but we talk about this, 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 as we're talking about this, this other stuff, um, so much of th- this conversation comes down to the fact that we, we really don't have everything figured out, but God can right. use other people in our lives to help us to bring to, the wor- bring to things in the word in our lives that we need to look at, we need to consider, and we need to walk through. And, and uh, that happens so often in our relationship where you would challenge me on something, and I go back, back to the word, and I would grow and grow and grow, and then I would, I would do the same thing for you. And I would say, hey, well, how about, how about this? And you would do it, and we would come back together, and there would be this, this iron sharpens iron thing that happened in that context. It was such a wonderful thing. And again, um, you know, there's no question in my life that at that point, in, my, in that season of my life, I needed you um, to do that and be that person in my life. And I'm just, I'm grateful for you and, and grateful for your commitment to doing this. And, and real quickly, I want to close here, but real quickly, I know the answer to this, but I want them to hear the answer to this. Ron, why, why do you do this? I know you said, you know, the, the you know, you feel compelled, but I, I know deeply, I know why you do this. And, and what, how has this, this blessed you? What, what, what's happened in your life as a result of having this, this lifetime of, of being a, a person who makes disciples? Well, tell me the answer. Oh, oh really? You, you have a, Ron, you have a legacy that is, <laughs> you have a legacy that's, that's big, but also um, you're, you, you love Jesus. Wow. And, and, and I know that your heart to, make, to be a disciple maker yes. has sharpened you through these years, because wow. you told me that one time. So that's why I said yes. Told me that one time that your lifetime of being committed to this is part of the reason why you why you've been able to be sharp all these years. Mm-hmm. Well, when you again when you when you speak what Jesus spoke, and when you do what Jesus did mm-hmm. with the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see the same result. Amen. And Jesus said, "Greater works will you do than I have done." Mm-hmm. I think he was saying part of that, not taking it out of context, but part of that was is he was one. Mm-hmm. He poured into 12. But think of this word, the word exponent. Mm-hmm. I just heard this recently. It just blew my mind. Or the word exponential. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus had on his mind. That's right. Each of us are an exponent. Yep. You know, he got an X. And then you got the three up there. Mm-hmm. All you math, mathematic geniuses here, three times three times three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've seen. Yeah. And I want to dedicate the rest of my life to find as many that God can use me to love on, pour into, and see them go on and do greater things than I have ever achieved. Yeah. So, yeah. is that, the, that's, yeah, is that that's, a good answer? That's good stuff. Would you stand across this room this morning? I, I want to wanna finish here today, but um, I just so appreciate, again, Ron being here. Has, have you enjoyed having get to know Ron a little bit, you know, and it's just, I appreciate him so much. Um, Ron, I, I just want to ask you that if you would pray over us today in this church. And the point of this today is not, we're not launching a, program, okay, we're not going to launch like, okay, now we're, no, none of that stuff. This is, this, we want this to become who we are as a church. 
want this to become our culture of the church to think like Jesus did, which is thinking in terms of being a, a person who makes disciples. Because when, 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 when he was at the end of his life, he said, go into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. That, was, that job was not on someone else. It wasn't on a professional as a pastor or your neighbor, although it was in your neighbor. That, that, that's true. It's also on the pastor. But that's on us as the body of Christ, and we've gotten away from that. Because sometimes we think, we, kind of, we, put, we, put, we put our life first, and we put God second, right? And, and that's, let's just be honest with you, that's, that's, this can't happen, but that's what happens. If we put everything first, our job, our life, or all this kind of stuff, that's first, and God's second afterwards. And we wonder why we're, we are in the position we are in, because we've got it backwards, and we've got it upside down. We need to turn our lives up, right side up, and we need to put this first. And the words, again, the words tells us that we put him first, we, we, we put him before everything else, and everything else will, will fall into place, essentially is what that word says. That's not just like, you know, just, hey, it's all be wonderful, but that's saying we, we need to do what God's called us to. If we do what God's called us to, he takes care of the rest. Amen? Amen. And that includes doing what he's called us to, which is be a person who makes disciples. And so, Ron, I want, I want you to pray. If you would, just, just bow your heads, everybody in this room today. And I want to pray, I want, I, want, I want Ron to pray, and I want you to just, as a person who's done this throughout your life, if you would just pray over our church, pray for us, that God would just minister in us through this. Hallelujah. 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 Praise Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Father, we're grateful this yes, morning Lord. that you visited us. Yes, Jesus. You came in and you put your smile upon yes, us Lord. gathering here today. Jesus. You said where two or three gathered together Hallelujah. in your name, there you are. Praise Jesus. Thank you for being mm. here. Thank you for encouraging mm. us, inspiring us yes, Lord. with a worship, with a singing, yes, with a word from you. Yes, Lord. And God, I stand here and beside this man of God that you've called Jesus. and his wife, Steve and Lisa Royalty. And Lord, their heart is, is that these, his sheep, their sheep will grow and become disciples, growing disciples and eventually influencing others and making disciples. God, I pray a blessing upon everyone here. And Lord, would you send them, send a person to them, man and woman. Lord, would you send to the youth, disciple makers. Lord, would you send workers into this harvest field. And I pray, Lord, that as they are sent, they will have the willingness to be sent. Because, Lord, there's a lost, dying world, chaotic out there. And you have sent us to be rescuers and to preach the gospel. And if necessary, Lord, we will use words because we will love on them. So I pray a blessing, Lord, as this church grows, as they go forward and walk in newness. Lord, I sense a joy in this place, a joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Lord Jesus, we just pray a blessing over all that, uh, Lord, come in these doors. Mm. And we pray, Lord, as they grow. Mm. Yeah, there's a growing happening here. Mm. And Lord, give Steve the wisdom as he leads. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.